caviar.com. Treat yourself to a tasting at home. Introducing Petite Caviar 101. Caviar, truffles, and more. Providing the world's best caviar for over 30 years. Sustainable caviar, seasonal delights, boutique grocery, family-owned and operated. Provide to proud to supply the highest quality caviar available for over 30 years. 100% sustainable caviar. Israeli Oestro, Belgian Oestra, Idaho White Sturgeon, Siberian Sturgeon, Paddlefish, Ikea. National overnight shipping, guaranteed national next day overnight shipping, Tuesday through Saturday. Same day local pickup, local pickup and curbside for Seattle, ready within two hours, Monday through Saturday. Next day local delivery, guaranteed next day local delivery for Seattle, Monday through Friday. Shop groceries such for such items like Bellwether Farms, Farms Cream Fresh, Betsy's Blink, Gluten-Free Betsy's Blink, Block Truffle Butter, White Truffle Oil, La Brujula, Yellow Finafina Belly and Olive Oil, Russell's Original Spice Blend, Truffle Salt, uh, Hosting Wear Products, Mother of Pearl Caviar Spoon, Mother of Pearl Spoon with Blue Handle, Great Barrier Reef Petite Span with Pointed Tip, Round Mother of Pearl Palette, Caviar Presentoir with Sterling Band, Petite Mother of Pearl Caviar Spoon, St. Hillet Modern Caviar Presentoir, Francis Saturn Silver Plated Caviar Cup, Homemade Recipes and More, Minced Potato Rosti with Caviar and Cream Fresh, Devil Quail Eggs with Caviar, Blink with Buckwheat. Bartleby.com, an easier way to study hard. Ask a question. You have homework questions, and Bartleby subject matter experts have answers. Ask away. Most questions are answered in as fast as 30 minutes, and you'll be notified by email when your answer is ready. Find a solution. Proofread your paper. Bartleby experts will look over your paper with their advanced grammar and spell checkers. Bartleby Learn, access step-by-step solutions. Two millions of textbook problems, a searchable database of solutions to homework questions, and subject matter experts on standby 27 when you're stuck. Bartleby Write. Write better right now. Scan for accidental plagiarism, check spelling, grammar, and format citations correctly so you can spend less time writing and get the grade you want. Bartleby Tutor, 24-7 online tutoring service, gives you personalized instruction you want and the flexibility you demand with convenient options you can find these best fit for your lifestyle and study habits. Bartleby Learn. Search, solve, succeed. 60. Study smarter with access to millions of step-by-step textbook solutions, a social digital database of homework solutions, and subject matter experts on standby 24-7 to provide homework help when you need it. Subscribe and your first week is four ninety nine. After your first week subscription auto renews monthly to nine ninety nine USD or then or the then monthly current free fee. Cancel any time. Winning lineup of student tools, textbook solutions, millions of step by step solutions with thousands of added daily in thirty subjects. Expert Q and A. Ask their ask Bartleby's experts your most troublesome homework or study questions anytime and receive a detailed solution on a, in as fast as thirty minutes. 
24-7 24/7 homework help. Bartleby subject matter experts, many with advanced degrees, are always on standby to ease your concerns and get you back on track. Solution database. Homework solutions are easily searchable and constantly updated. Quickly find what you need, save it for later, and access it from a mobile device. Try it today. Study on the go. Problem solved. Problems solved. Maximize your study time and get homework help anytime, anywhere with the Bartleby app. Ask us. Ask or snap a homework question, search textbook solutions, and get answer notifications right from your device. Download it on the App Store or Google Play. Bartleby Wright, compose with confidence. Quit staring at a blinking cursor. Easy, easier essay composition is right here with your new favorite pleasure and grammar checker. Their all-in-one writing help tool is designed to reduce mistakes, improve writing habits, and Transform OK essays into stellar ones so you can submit your paper with confidence all for only $9.99 a month. Try Bartleby Write. 24-7 personal writing tutor. Plagiarism checker. Bartleby will help you catch missing citations, accidental copy text, and other mistakes, giving you supreme confidence in your original work. Grammar and spell checker. Author your own success story with writing help to eliminate mistakes. Early scoring. Bartleby's Advanced Algorithm scans your paper and compares it to thousands of similar papers to produce a score before you turn it in. Citation assistance, whether it's MLA grammar checks or APA assistance, citing source in a cinch, try it today. Bartleby Tutor, one-on-one tutoring on your schedule, whether it's a one-time question or a homework problem that needs a private study session solution, Bartleby's got you. Their Bartleby's team of live tutors are available 24-7. Get started today with a free 15-minute session on them. Find a tutor. Get a tutor on your computer. All tutoring sessions occur in real time via messaging or audio for easy collaboration on homework, help, textbook solutions, and more. 24-7 availability. Tutors are on demand day or night and can accommodate your school and life balance. When you're ready to study, so is Bartleby. Flexible options. Don't pay for tutoring time you won't use by 30, 60, 120 minute increments. Whichever best fits your needs. Didn't use all your minutes? Roll them over to another session. Many subjects. Tutors are available in over 20 subjects. Bartleby experts will help make sense of the toughest concepts in engineering, math, physics, business, and more. Find a tutor ready to get started. Sign up for 24-7 homework help now. Here's part two of William Howard Taft, President, U.S. President number 27. 1908 electoral votes results. Roosevelt felt frustrated by his own relative inaction, showered Taft with advice. Fearing the electorate would not appreciate Taft's qualities and that Bryan would win, Roosevelt supporters spread rumors that the president was, in effect, running Taft's campaign. This annoyed Nellie Taft, who, who, never trusted, who never trusted the Roosevelts. Nevertheless, Roosevelt supported the Republican nominee with such enthusiasm that humor suggested Taft would should stood for take advice from Theodore. Bryan urged a system of bank guarantees so that deposit would be could be repaid if banks fail, but Taft opposed this offering a postal savings system instead. The issue of prohibition alcohol entered the campaign in 
when a mid-September Kerry nation called on Taft and demanded to know his views. Taft and Roosevelt had agreed the party platform would take no position on the matter, and nation was indignant to allege that Taft was irreligious and against temperance. Taft and Roosevelt's advice ignored the issue. In the end, Taft won by a comfortable margin. Taft defeated Bryan by 321 votes to 162. However, he garnered just 51.6% of the popular vote. Nelly Taft said regarding the campaign, there was nothing to criticize such as not knowing or caring about the way the game of politics is played. Longtime White House usher Ike Hoover recalled that Taft came often to see Roosevelt during the campaign, but settled between the election and inauguration day. March 4, 1909. Presidency, 1909-1913. Inauguration and appointments, 1909 inauguration. Taft was sworn in as president on March 4, 1909. Due to a winter storm that coated Washington with ice, Taft was inaugurated within the Senate chamber rather than outside the Capitol as is customary. The new president stated in his inaugural address that he had been honored to have been one of the advisors of my distinguished predecessor and and to have had a part in the reforms he has initiated. I should be untrue to myself, to my promises, and to the declarations of the party platform on which I was elected if I did not make the maintenance and enforcement of those reforms a most important feature of my administration. He pledged to make those reforms long-lasting, ensuring that honest businessmen did not suffer uncertainty through change of policy. He spoke the need for re re Reduction of the 1887-1897 Dingley Tariff for antitrust reform for and for continued advancement of the Philippines towards full self-government. Roosevelt left office with regret to that his tenure in the position he enjoyed so much was over, and to keep out of Taft's way, arranged for a year-long hunting trip to Africa. Soon after the Republican convention, Taft and Roosevelt had discussed which. Cabinet offers would stay on. Taft kept only Agriculture Secretary James Wilson and Postmaster General George von Lingerke Meyer, who was shifted to the Navy Department. Others appointed to the Taft Cabinet included Philander Knox, who had served under McKinley and Roosevelt as Attorney General, as the new Secretary of State, and Franklin McVie as, as Treasury, Treasury Secretary. Taft did not enjoy the easy relationship with the press that Roosevelt had choosing to not to offer himself for interviews or photo opportunities as often as predecessors had. His administration marked a change in style from the charismatic leadership of Roosevelt to test quite a passion for the rule of law. The Taft Cabinet, Foreign Policy, Organization, and Principles. Taft made a priority to restructure the State Department, noting it is organized on the basis of the needs of the government in 1800 instead of 1900. The department was for the first time organized into geographical divisions, including deaths for the Far East, Latin America, and Western Europe. The department's first in-service training program was established, and appointees spent a month in Washington before going to their posts. Tavis Secretary of State Knox had a strong relationship, and the president listened to his counsel on matters foreign and domestic. According to historian Paolo, Paolo E. Coletta, Knox was not a good diplomat, and had poor relations with the Senate, press, and many foreign leaders, especially from those from Latin America. There was a broad agreement between Taft and Knox on major foreign policy goals that the U.S. does not interfere in European affairs and would use it and would use forces necessary to enforce the Monroe Doctrine in the Americans. Americas. 
the defense of the Panama Canal, which was under construction throughout Taft's term. It opened in 1914 and guided United States foreign policy in the Caribbean and Central America. Previous administrations had made efforts to promote American business interests overseas, but Taft was a step further, went a step further and reused the web of American diplomats and the consuls abroad to further trade. Such ties Taft hoped would promote world peace. Trade Taft hoped would promote world peace. Taft pushed arbitration treaties with Great Britain and France, but the Senate was not willing to yield to arbitrators its constitutional prerogatives to pr- approve treaties. Tariffs and reciprocity. At the time of Taft's presidency, protectionism through the use of tariffs was a fundamental position of, of the political Republican Party. The Dingley Tariff had been enacted to protect American industry from foreign competition. The 1908 party platform has supported unspecified revisions to the Dingley Act, and Taft interpreted this to mean reductions. Taft called a special session of Congress to convene on March 15, 1909 to deal with the tariff question. Serino E. Payne, chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, had held hearings in late 1908 and sponsored the resulting draft legislation. On balance, the, the bill reduced tariffs slightly, but when it passed the House in April 1909, it reached the Senate. The chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, Rhode Island Senator Nelson W. Aldridge, attached many amending raising amendment raising rates. This outraged progressives such as Wisconsin's Robert M. LaFollette, who urged Taft to say that the bill was not in according with the party platform. Taft refused angering them. Taft insisted that most imports from the Philippines be free of duty and according to Anderson should affect the leadership on a subject he was knowledgeable on and cared about. With opponents sought to modify the tariff bill to allow for income tax Taft opposed it on the ground that the Supreme Court would likely strike it down as unconstitutional as it had before. Instead, they proposed a constitutional amendment which passed both houses in early July, was sent to the state, and by 1913 was ratified as the 16th Amendment. In the conference committee, Taft won some victories, such as limiting attacks on lumber. The conference report, report passed both houses. And Taft signed it on August 6, 1909. The Payne-Aldrich tariff was immediately controversial, according to Coletta. Taft had lost the initiative, and the wounds inflicted in the acrid tariff debate never healed. In Taft's annual message sent to Congress in December 1910, he urged a free trade accord with Canada. Britain, at that time, still handled Canada's foreign relations, and Taft found the British and Canadian governments willing Willing. Many in Canada opposed an accord, fearing the U.S. would dump it when convenient as it had in 1854. Elgin Marcy Treaty in 1866 and farm and fisheries interests in the United States were also opposed. After January 1911, talks with Canadian officials, officials Taft had the agreement, which it was not a treaty, introduced in the Congress and it passed in late July. The Parliament of Canada, led by Prime Minister Sir Wilfrid Lauer, had deadlocked over the issue. Canadians had turned Lawyer out of office in the September 1911 election, and Robert Borden became the new Prime Minister. No cross-border agreement was concluded, and the debate opened divisions in the Republican Party. Latin America. Taft and Secretary of State fell on their knocks and instituted a policy of dollar Diplomacy towards Latin America, believing U.S. investment would benefit all involved, while diminishing European influence in the regions where the 
Monroe Doctrine applied the policy was unpopular among Latin state American states that did not wish to become financial protectors of the United States as well as in the US Senate, many of those many of whose members believe that US should not interfere abroad, no foreign affairs controversy tested test policy more than the close of the Mexican regime and subsequent turmoil of the Mexican Revolution. When Tab entered office, Texaco was increasingly restless under the grip of longtime dictator Porfirio Diaz. Many Mexicans backed his opponent, Francisco Madero. There were a number of incidents in which Mexico rebels crossed the U.S. border to obtain horses and weapons. Tab sought to prevent this war by ordering the U.S. Army to, to border areas for maneuvers. Taft told his military aide, Archibald Butt, but that I'm going to sit on the lid and it will take a great deal to pry me off. He showed his support for Diaz by meeting with him at El Paso, Texas, and Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, the first meeting between the U.S. and the Mexican president, and also the first time an American president visited Mexico. The day of the summit, Frederick Russell Burnham and a Texas Ranger captured and disarmed an assassin, holding a palm pistol only a few feet from the two presidents. Before the election in Mexico, Diaz jailed opposition candidate Madero, whose supporters took up arms. This resulted in both the ousting of Diaz and a revolution that would continue for another 10 years. In the U.S., Arizona Territory, two citizens were killed and almost a dozen injured, some, of the, some as a result of gunfire across the border. Taft was against an aggressive response and some instructed the territorial governor. Nicaragua's President Jose Santos Zelaya wanted to revoke commercial Concessions are granted to American companies, and American diplomats quietly favor rebel forces under Juan Estrada. Nicaragua was in debt for two foreign powers, and the U.S. was unwilling to let an alternative canal route fall into the hands of Europeans. Zelaya's elected successor, Jose Madrid, could not put down the rebellion as U.S. forces interfered, and in August 1910, the Estrada forces took Managua, the capital. The U.S. compelled Nicaragua to accept a loan and sent officials to ensure it was repaid from Government revenues, the country remained unstable, and after another coup in 1911 and more disturbances in 1912, Taft sent troops, troops to begin the United States occupation of Nicaragua, which lasted until 1933. Treaties among Panama, Colombia, and the United States to resolve disputes arising from the Panama Panamanian Revolution of 1903 had been signed by the Lame Duck Roosevelt administration in early 1909 and were approved by the Senate and also ratified by Can Panama, Colombia, by Panama. Colombia, however, declined to ratify the treaties, and after the 1912 elections, Knox offered $10 million to the Colombians, later raised to $25 million. The Colombians feel, felt the amount inadequate and requested arbitration. The matter was not settled under the Taft administration. East Asia. Due to his years in the Philippines, Taft was keenly interested as president in East Asian affairs. Taft considered relations with Europe relatively unimportant, but because of the potential for trade and investment, Taft ranked the most the post of minister to China as most important and in the Foreign Service. Knox did not agree and declined the suggestion that he go to Peking to view the facts on the ground. Taft considered Roosevelt's minister there, William W. Rockhill, as uninterested in the China trade and replaced him with William J. Calhoun, whom McKinley and Roosevelt had sent on several foreign missions. Knox did not listen to Calhoun on policy and there, all, and there were often conflicts. Taft and Knox tried unsuccessfully to extend John Hay's open-door policy in Manchuria. In, in 1898, the American company had gained a concession for a rebel between Hankow and Sichuan, but the Chinese revoked the agreement in 1904. 
after the company which was indemnified for the revoc revocation breached, breached the agreement by selling a majority stake outside the United States. The Chinese imperial government got the money from for the indemnity from the British Hong Kong government on, in, on condition British subjects would be favored if foreign capital was needed to build the railroad line. And in 1909, the British consortium began the negotiations. This came to Knox attention in May of that year, and he demanded that U.S. banks be allowed to participate. Taft appealed personally to the Prince Regent Xifeng Prince Chung and was successful in gaining U.S. participation, though agreements were not signed until May 1911. However, the Chinese decree authorizing the agreement also required nationalization of local railroad companies in the effect, affected provinces. Inadequate compensation was paid to the shareholders, and these grievances were among those which touched off the Chinese Revolution of 1911. After the revolution broke out, the revolt's leaders chose Sun Yat-sen as provisional president of what became the Republic of China, overthrowing the Manchu dynasty. Taft was reluctant to recognize the new government, although American public opinion was in favor of it. The U.S. House of Representatives in February 1912 passed a resolution supporting a Chinese republic, but Taft and Knox felt recognition should come as a consorted concerted action by Western powers. Taft, in his final annual message to Congress in December 1912, indicated that he was moving towards recognition once the Republic was fully established, but by then he had been defeated for re-election and he did not follow through. Taft continued the policy against immigration from China and Japan was under Roosevelt. And Japan is under Roosevelt. A revised treaty of friendship and navigate entered into by the U.S. and Japan in 1911 granted broad rights to Japanese people in America and Americans in Japan, but were, were premised on the continuation of the Gentlemen's Agreement. There was objection on the West Coast when the treaty was submitted to the Senate, but Taft informed politicians that there was no change in Im immigration policy. Europe Taft was opposed to the traditional practice of rewarding wealthy supporters with key ambassadorial posts, preferring that diplomats not live in a lavish lifestyle and selecting men who, as Taft put it, were recognized an American when they saw one. High on his list for dismissal was the ambassador to France, Henry White, whom Taft knew and disliked from his visits to Europe. White's ousting caused other career State Department employees to fear that their jobs might be lost to politics. Taft also was replaced with Roosevelt appointed ambassador in London, Whitelaw Reed, but Reed, owner of the New York Tribune, had backed Taft during the campaign, and both William and Nellie Taft enjoyed his gossipy reports. Reed remained in place until his 1912 death. Taft was a supporter of settling the international disputes by arbitration and negotiated treaties with Great Britain and with France, providing the differences bear, be arbitrated. These were signed into a Signed in August 1911, neither Taft nor Knox, a former senator, consulted the Senate during the negotiating process. By then, many Republicans opposed to Taft, and the president felt that lobbying too hard for the treaties might cause their defeat. He made some speeches supporting the treaties in October, but the Senate added amendments Taft could not accept killing the agreements. Although no general arbitration treaty was entered into, Taft's administration settled some disputes with Great Britain by peaceful means, often involving Arbitration. These include a settlement of the boundary between Maine and New Brunswick, a long-running dispute over seal hunting in the Bering Sea that also involved Japan, and a similar disagreement regarding fishing off Newfoundland. The Senate Convention remained in force until abrogated by Japan in 1940. Domestic Policies and, and Politics 
antitrust. Taft continued and expanded Roosevelt's efforts to break up business combinations through lawsuits brought under the Sherman Antitrust Act, bringing 70 cases in four years. Roosevelt had brought 40 in seven years. Suits brought against Standard Oil Company and the American Tobacco Company initiated under Roosevelt were decided in favor of the government by the Supreme Court in 1911. In June 1911, the Democrat-controlled House of Representatives began hearing into United States Steel, U.S. Steel, that that company had been expanded under Roosevelt, who had supported its acquisition of the Tennessee Coal, Iron, and Railroad Company as a means of preventing and deepening of preventing the deepening of the panic of 1907, a decision the former president defended when testifying at the hearings. Taft, as Secretary of War, had praised the acquisitions. Historians Louis L. Gould suggested that Roosevelt was likely deceived into believing that U.S. Steel did not want to purchase the Tennessee Company, but it was a fact. It was in fact a bargain. For Roosevelt, questioned the matter went to his personal honesty. In October 1911, Taft's Justice Department brought suit against U.S. Steel to believe that over a hundred of its subsidiaries be granted corporate independence and naming as defendants many prominent business executives and financiers. The pleas in the case had not been reviewed by Taft and alleged that Roosevelt had fostered monopoly and had been duped by clever industrialists. Roosevelt was offended by the reference to him and his administration in the pleadings and felt that Taft could not evade command responsibility by saying he did not know them. Taft sent a special measure to congressmen that the need for a revamped antitrust statute statute when it convened its regular session December 1911, but it took no action. Another antitrust case that had political repercussions with Taft was, was that brought against the International Harvester Company, the largest manufacturer of farm equipment, in early 1912. As the Roosevelt administration investigated International Harvester, but had taken no action, the decision Taft had supported, the suit became, became caught up in Roosevelt's challenge for the Republican presidential nomination. Supporters of Taft alleged that Roosevelt had acted improperly. The former president blasted Taft for wanting three and a half, for waiting three and a half years until he was under challenge to reverse this a decision had supported. Ballinger Pincho Affair. Roosevelt was an ardent conservationist assisted in this by like-minded appointees, including Interior Secretary James R. Garfield and Chief Forester Gifford Pincho. Taft agreed with the need for conversation, but uh, felt it should be accomplished by res- legislation rather than executive order. He did not retain Garfield in Ohio as secretary, choosing instead a Westerner, former Seattle Mayor Richard A. Ballinger. Roosevelt was surprised at the replacement, believing that Taft had promised to keep Garfield, and this change is one of the events that caused Roosevelt to realize that Taft would choose different policies. Roosevelt had withdrawn much land from the public domain, including some in Alaska, lot rich in coal. In 1902, Clarence Cunningham, an Idaho entrepreneur, had found coal deposits in Alaska and made mining claims, and the government investigated their legality. This dragged on for the remainder of the Roosevelt administration, including during the year 1907-1908, when Ballinger served as head of the General Land Office. A special agent for the Land Office, Louis Glavis, investigated the Cunningham claims, and when Secretary Ballinger in 1909 approved them, Glavis broke governmental protocol by going outside the Interior Department to seek help from Pichu. In September 1909, Glavis made his allegation public in a magazine article, supposing that Ballinger had acted as an attorney for Cunningham between his two periods of government service. This violated conflict of interest rules forbidding a, a former government official from advocacy on a 
matter he had been responsible for. On September 13, 1909, Taft dismissed from government service, relying on a report from Attorney General George W. Wickersham dated two days previously. Pinchot was determined to dramatize the issue by forcing his own dismissal, which Taft tried to avoid, fearing that it might cause a break with Roosevelt still overseas. Taft as a lawyer route by then a senator who to look into the banner and root urged to the firing of Pincho. Taft had ordered government officials not to com- comment on the fracas. On January 1910, Pincho forced the issue by sending a letter to Iowa Senator Dolliver alleging that but for the actions of the Forestry Service, Taft would have approved a fraudulent claim on public lands. According to Pringle, this was an utterly improper appeal from the alleged subordinate to the alleged branch of the government and an unhappy president prepared to separate Pichu from public office. Pichu was dismissed much to his delight and he sailed for Europe to lay his case before Roosevelt. A congressional investigation followed which cleared Ballinger by majority vote, but the administration embarrassed when Glavis attorney Louis D. Brandeis proved that the Wickersham report had been backdated, which Tapulated and admitted, belatedly admitted, the Ballinger Peachy affair caused progressives and Roosevelt loyals to feel that Taft had turned his back on Roosevelt's agenda. Thank you for listening to U.S. President number 27, William Taft. Stay tuned next week for part three, continuing into his president's life, career, and presidency of the United States. Have a good week. And stay safe during this coronavirus pandemic since 2021 as we look forward to it enormously now that the vaccines are out, if that can ever happen. Thank you for listening, and have a good week.